0: good morning everybody it is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown Connecticut welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio thanks for spending some time with us it's the 10th day of November uh just about a week away from uh, uh moving out of our studios here in Connecticut and uh, getting ready to move them south to North Carolina so uh our our uh, our broadcast schedule for next week is going to be spotty at best. Uh, we will probably be off. Uh, we'll have our regular programming, our sports uh, uh, podcast podcast that we play during the week. We'll also continue to have our country music, of course. But the wake-up call is not going to be on. Uh, we'll be on next Monday, and then we will be off for the rest of the week because we will be in transit Uh, and then uh, I'll be driving back and forth as we get ready to close our house up here. So over the next couple of weeks, it's going to be a little bit spotty, but uh, we will be on as often as we can be. If you follow us on Twitter, if you follow us on Facebook, uh, we'll have the schedule there, and we'll be able to keep you updated as to when we are actually going to be on the air. All right, uh, let's get to uh, uh, what's going on around the world. Before, Before we get to sports from last night, there was a story this morning in the Hartford Current. And it, it was probably, uh, you know, I hadn't thought a lot about it, but it's not a huge surprise. Uh, there was a story this morning that traffic deaths here in the state of Connecticut are up 16 uh, percent from last year. And it is on pace. If we continue uh, where we're at right now, it, this will be the deadliest year on record in the state of Connecticut. The state record for traffic deaths in a single year is uh, 317, which was set back in the year 2000. And we are already at uh, 283. Um, Not a surprise. If you have been out on the roads, and it's not just here in Connecticut. That's the thing. This is a nationwide thing. You know, it, it might be a worldwide thing. For those of you that are listening to us from overseas, you know, I wonder if it's the same thing in Europe. Uh, or, uh, you know, wherever else you might be listening. You know, since the pandemic, when the roads were deserted, you know, there weren't that many people going to work. People were working from home. Um, People started driving a lot faster. I mean, a lot faster. And it hasn't stopped. You go out on the roads. I was... uh, Made a trip down to North Carolina last week. And I'm on the highway here in the state, the first part of my trip, and I'm doing probably 75 miles an hour in a 65-mile-an-hour zone down I-91. There were cars passing me like I was standing still. Easily doing 90 miles an hour there were a couple that passed me that there's no question they were doing in excess of 100 miles an hour so you know and and it's not only the speed people are driving more aggressively it's just insane you know and you know, and my wife laughs at me because she still commutes to work every day and you know, I, I work from home and I'm not in addition to my radio station. Of course, I, I have my job editing books. And so but I work from home. So I'm not out on the roads as much as I used to be back when I was still, uh, you know, in the mainstream workforce. So my wife says, you just don't you know, you're just not used to. It. You have no idea what this is like. It's insane. They said in the uh, in the United States. In the first six months of 2021, we've had 20 thousand people die on the roads in the first 6 months you know and i don't know well, what's the answer more cops in some cases having the police pull people over is just as dangerous because people all of a sudden, you know, cars start slowing down when they see a cop and they see somebody on the side of the road. Next thing you know, you get somebody slamming into them from behind, or they're hitting the cops on the side of the road, or the, you know, because people aren't paying attention and they're and they're driving like idiots. So you know, and I don't know, you know, it's one of these things. I don't know whether you can put the genie back in the bottle. You know, it's like they're talking now about how food prices have gone up and how gas prices have gone up and how it's not just that the prices have gone up in some cases for groceries, that what you're paying for is less. Back here in the States, there was a time when you go to the store and you buy sugar and you would buy a five-pound bag of sugar. That was the standard, was five pounds. Now you go and you buy sugar, and it's four pounds. But guess what? It's the same price as it was when it was five. You know, And uh, meat prices have gone through the roof. I mean, we are just paying more for everything. And I don't know, just like the driving thing where people drive it like morons, I don't know if you can go backwards again. Do we really think that once they fix this infrastructure problem and the backups that we have at the ports and all the the shipping containers that aren't being offloaded, do people really think that the prices are going to come back down? And some of the prices price increases, some of it's because of the meat prices they're saying a lot of it's because uh, staffing issues, just like we're seeing here in restaurants. We're seeing restaurants closed down because they can't get they can't get chefs or cooks or wait staff or, you know, I don't get that. I mean, I know we've gone a lot to a work-from-home environment, and people during the pandemic said, you know what? Screw this. Life's too short. I'm going to do what I want to do. But at some point, are we going to get back to whatever we considered normal before? I just don't know. But I suspect that the driving thing ain't going backwards. If anything, it's only going to get worse. And I don't know what we can do about it. Unless we're going to start making cars with built-in governors on them so that you can't go, say, over 75 miles an hour, I don't know what we can do about that, you know, unless we're going to have a cop every mile or unless we're going to start uh, having uh, uh, radar. I don't even know what you would like. You know how, like, they have uh, the toll booths on the road, you know, the the easy pass. You can just drive through. You don't have to stop at a toll booth anymore. Maybe they got to start setting up gantries like that uh, across highways that monitor people's speeds and they take pictures of license plates of people that are driving 90 miles an hour. I don't know. But at some point, you know, something's got to happen or or these numbers that we're seeing are going to increase. 20,000 people in the United States in the first six months. We're on pace here in the state for the most traffic deaths in, in a year in our history and i suspect it is like that in every state across the country i can only imagine you know i you know it's like i was thinking about you know there's some states i guess where you can get away with this you know in parts of texas you can drive for hours and not be near anybody i mean you'll see cars but there's no civilization you know what i mean you can drive i remember driving across wyoming taking a whole damn day to drive across wyoming i didn't see a didn't see anything you know, in Montana, same thing. There's places in the country where you can get away with doing that. But here in the Northeast, oh, hell no. Florida, oh, God, no. And I know where I'm moving in western North Carolina, you can't do that because you're going into, into the mountains and around some pretty dangerous curves. You drive 90 there, you're going to be off a cliff and you'll be dead anyway. But I don't know if we put the genie back in the bottle. I hope so because it is an absolute zoo out there right now. Okay, let's get to uh, sports. And before we – the UConn men played last night. We'll get to that in a minute. Let's talk about the moron. Speaking of morons driving, how about the moron that is the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers did another interview yesterday and uh, acknowledged that he – what was he quoting you? I misled some people about my vaccination status. You didn't mislead people. You lied. <laughs> you know, uh, and he said that, uh, you know, but he stands by his comments. He said, look, uh, I share an opinion that's polarizing. I get it. I misled some people about my status. No, no, you didn't. He said, but I, and I, he said, but I take full responsibility uh, for those comments. But in the end, I have to stay true to who I am and what I'm about I stand behind all the things I said. As I said yesterday, I don't give a crap if he got vaccinated or not. I honestly don't. You know what? Uh, do I think everybody should get vaccinated? Yes, we've talked about that a million times. But if that's your personal decision, you don't want to get vaccinated, fine. But because you didn't get vaccinated, you there are, way, there are rules you have to follow. You, a lot of them involve masking up and not uh, being in close proximity to people that you're doing interviews with, et cetera, et cetera. He didn't do any of that because everybody he told everybody he was vaccinated. So he put everybody at risk. He got fined yesterday by the NFL for uh, $14,650, which to him is pocket change. And uh, why? Because uh, it was a violation of league and player union protocols. Basically what it was is because he and uh, teammate Alan Lazard went to a Halloween party with a lot of people. And they were unvaccinated and they did not have masks on. And because they were unvaccinated, there were certain protocols that the NFL says you have to follow, which is you don't go out into huge public gatherings. Uh, and, and he did it anyway. They both did it. So they were both fined. Fourteen thousand six hundred and fifty dollars yesterday. The Green Bay Packers got fined three hundred thousand dollars by the league for having these two bulletheads on the team and not following up and making sure they were truly vaccinated. You know, and I know we're against, and I'm 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 personally against the idea. If I'm vaccinated, I'm vaccinated. I don't believe I should have to show a vaccination passport. You know, there are people that, that want us to do that, and I'm against that. You know, I'm all for people being vaccinated, but I don't think we need to walk around with our papers. You know, this isn't Nazi Germany. But at the same time, when I say that, I also want people to be honest. Now, and I guess, you know, and you, you go, Gene, what, what, what the hell's the matter with you? People aren't honest. I get it. You know, I get it. But to have, you know, uh, to have a guy who is uh, one of the best players in the National Football League, a guy that people look up to, and believe me, I'm not saying I looked up to Aaron Rodgers. I don't look up to any athlete. They're athletes. Just like I don't look up to any actor. You know, I don't look up to people, to any singer. I, I don't look up to, you know, people in the public eye. I look up to people that are doing things to help others, and most of those people are behind the scenes and are people that you don't hear about or you just, you know, there'll be an occasional story about. Those are the kinds of people I look up to. You know, there, there's I mean, there's a rare exception. I mean, I was a big fan of Harry Chapin when I was growing up, and I looked up to Harry Chapin. Great singer, incredible songwriter, but a great humanitarian. This is a guy that did over half of his concerts – Every year were benefits for different things that he believed in, and he started World Hunger Year. It was a, uh, which is still going on, by the way. It was a uh, an organization he founded to feed starving people across the world, and it's still going on. You know, and we lost him far too early in a in a uh, a car crash on the Long Island Expressway. But that's the kind of people. That's the kind of people I look up to. I don't look up to Aaron Rodgers. Having said that, there are kids that do. And, you know, as a parent, how do you tell your kid, Yeah, well, yeah, I know you love this guy, but he's a liar. Don't look up to this guy because he's a liar. You know? Again, if he had just come out in the beginning and said, "I'm not vaccinated, I'm not going to get vaccinated," I'm, you know, he, he claims he's allergic to stuff that's in it. I I call bullshit on that. Excuse my language, but I call bull on that. Uh, it was just an excuse. He didn't want to get vaccinated. Fine, just come out and tell us you're not going to get vaccinated. You don't, you, you know, you don't even have to say I'm an anti-vaxxer. You just say it's a personal choice. I'm not comfortable with the fact that the vaccines are new, whatever. You know, and it, it would have been fine. But now he doubles down yesterday and says, well, I know I misled some people. No, you lied. And, and, but I'm going to stand behind what I said. Okay, fine. But while he was doing this interview, and I don't remember who it was that asked the question. He was on a radio show. And one of the people asked him, so do you think that uh, this means you'll never win a most valuable player award again? And he laughed. He thought it was funny. And he says, yeah, that's probably a fair thing. And, you know, should that should the fact that he lied about his vaccination status play into whether or not he gets votes for most valuable player? Probably shouldn't, but it will. You know it will. You know, that's why people don't get into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot in baseball because there'll, there'll be some writers with a hair across their butt about uh, some guy that, you know, wasn't great with the media. Jim Rice, you know, took forever to get into the Hall of Fame because, you know, he had a reputation as being surly with the media. People are petty that way. And the fact that Aaron Rodgers not only lied about it, but was arrogant about it, you know, I think that uh, there's no question he won't win another MVP. But I just, you know, I'm done talking about this. He supposedly is going to be able to play on on, uh, Sunday. We'll see whether he does or not. But all it proved to me yesterday in this interview was that he is indeed a moron. You know, to say that, you know, because he did, you know, he he kind of copped to it, but then he didn't. You know, I mean, uh, you know, he he misled. He said he was immunized. He tried to say these these alternative treatments that that uh, he took made him immunized. No, the only thing that makes you immunized is getting the immunization shot. (laughs) You know, so the fact that he, you know. Uh, all tr he's just doing damage control right now because what he did hap- what did happen is he flew off the handle when some of the people really criticized him and he like, like, I, I can't understand why people are upset at me. Most people don't like liars. Just saying, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care who you are. People don't like liars. You know, what's one of the first things we teach our children when they're growing up? You don't lie. You don't cheat. You don't steal. Those are the kinds of things that we teach our children, and that's one of the fundamental rules that we try to teach our kids that Aaron Rodgers just broke. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to hold that against him. And, yeah, he's tarnished his reputation. It wasn't bad enough the circus he created over the, the summer, whether he was even going to come back to the Packers or not, but he has forever tarnished his legacy. It doesn't mean that he's a worse player. It doesn't mean that... He won't go into the Hall of Fame in football because he certainly will. But there will always be that, that oh, yeah, but, man, what an idiot over the whole vaccination thing. Now, I mean, seriously, that's, that's what it's going to be. And if you're one of his teammates that he put at risk, there's going to be some teammates that are going to hold that against him, and they should. Okay, uh, basketball last night. The uh, UConn men's basketball team opened their uh, their season, and they did it in front of a sellout crowd of over 10,000 people, although uh, by halftime, a lot of those people had headed for the hills because this game was over very quickly, as we knew it would be. Uh, they took on Central Connecticut State University last night, beat them 99-48. Um, UConn hit its first eight shots. Built a 22-5 to lead. I mean, this game was over. Seriously, five minutes in, you knew Central had no chance. And this wasn't even about the fact that UConn hit his first eight shots. This was about the fact that UConn was bigger, they were faster, and their defense, this was the part, I mean, they scored 99 points last night. But the thing that was most impressive to me last night was their defense. And, and look, they're not going to be able to do this against everybody in the Big East because everybody else in the Big East has more talent than Central Connecticut does. Central Connecticut couldn't beat the last-place team in the Big East. But UConn was in passing lanes all night. Central couldn't make a simple guard-to-guard pass out on the perimeter. That's how smothering that defense was. Central turned the ball over twenty nine times last night. Twenty nine. I was looking to see if we have points off of turnovers last night. Yeah, uh, thirty six points off of Central Connecticut turnovers last night. I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are playing. I mean, you know, you turn the ball over twenty nine times, you are not winning a game. Uh, but there was never a chance that Central was winning this game. Uh, the other big takeaways from last night, uh, Adama Sonogo We saw signs of this last year at times about what a dominating player he can be. This kid is huge. But what a soft touch he's got. I mean, he was 9 for 11 from the field last night, 20 points. And the UConn offense did such a great job. You know, they, they, they'd hit enough threes so that uh, – Central couldn't like pack it in and kind of just surround Sunogo and Sunogo sometimes you know a couple of times got the ball out on the perimeter you know outside the foul line put the ball to the floor drove in the lane nice little soft layup this kid is a force he's going to be an NBA player with that touch I hope he stays for four years at UConn but the improvement and again I have to temper it with the fact that they were playing Central Connecticut State University last night but you know, and we'll see. They're going to play Coppin State on Saturday, who's not a whole hell of a lot better than Central. Um, if he does this again, it shows me that uh, whatever he did in the offseason to get better has worked, and it means that he is going to be a beast this year, and he is going to be the guy that the offense runs through, and he is going to be the guy that opposing teams are going to have to game plan against. 20 points. Uh, five rebounds, a couple of block shots, just took up enormous amounts of room in the middle. So he was great. Uh, R.J. Cole had three threes last night, 15 points. Uh, uh, Martin played well last night. Again, you know, you knew uh, that he was going to play well. Tyrese Martin, 15 more points. Uh, He had a couple of assists. You know, six for nine from the field. The other guy I was really impressed with last night was they started the sophomore, Andre Jackson. And he's a little bit raw. You can see that, but the athletic ability is unbelievable. Uh, He finished with uh, nine points, six rebounds, four assists, three steals, and he damn near jumps through the roof. There was one play, and he missed a layup, by the way. Um, He was going full speed into the basket, and his vertical jump is insane. Uh, Honest to God, he jumped so high that I swear to God his chest was over the rim. Way over the rim. He's got a uh, chance as he continues to develop and, and refines his skills to be a special player. No doubt about it. Uh, Danny Hurley had a hard time finding stuff to be pissed about last night. <laughs> you know, I mean, when your team is as dominant as they did, I guess you could be a little upset about the 14 turnovers against a, a central team. You should have uh, uh, maybe taken better care of the basketball. But a lot of those happened late in the game when the game was long over. Uh, just a dominated performance by UConn. So as I said, they will play uh, uh, against Coppin State on Saturday. And, you know, it'll be another ass-kicking. But that's what the early season is for. But what a great, great opener for UConn, a team that was picked to finish second in the Big East Conference this year. And I didn't see anything last night that makes me think that's not going to be the case. you know. And whether they can challenge Villanova for the top spot or not, I don't know. Villanova's loaded. I watched uh, some of their game uh, last night um, as they uh, crushed Mount St. Mary's by 40. Uh, Mount St. Mary's, by the way, also out of the Northeast Conference, the same conference that uh, uh, Central Connecticut's in. Uh, but that is a really, really good Villanova team. Uh, Colin Gillespie last night uh, had that torn MCL last year, had 13 points in his first game back since that. Um, Just looked a little tentative at first. Justin Moore, great game, had six threes in the game, 27 points. Uh, So that Villanova team's loaded, but I think UConn is going to be able to give that Villanova team a run for its money. Again, they're not going to be able to do it. Everything they did last night isn't going to come as easy against the better teams in the Big East. Uh, but Adama Sonogo, like that kid a lot. It's 31 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break back in a minute. You're listening to the wake up call on Sports Country. It's 33 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the wake up call here on a Wednesday morning. Um, some other games from around the state last night, other openers in college basketball. Uh, University of Hartford in uh, its final season. In Division I, uh, lost its season opener 77-59 to uh, to Wagner, uh, which, by the way, also out of the Northeast Conference, uh, where Central Connecticut is from. But so Wagner beats up on uh, Hartford 77-59. That game was down in Staten Island, New York, last night. Uh, Fairfield gave uh, Providence out of the Big East a hell of a game last night. Uh, Providence wins the game 80-73, to but that would have been a huge upset if Fairfield, which is out of the MAC, could have... Uh, uh, could have won that one. Fairfield was down by seven at the half and uh, played Providence even in the second half. So uh, a heck of a job uh, by uh, uh, by Fairfield. They had four players in double figures last night. Zach Chrysler led the way for Fairfield uh, with 14 points. And uh, Taj Banning with a great game as well, 13 points and seven rebounds. Um Quinnipiac lost its season opener to Maryland last night, 83-69. to Maryland ranked 21st in the country. So I guess if you're Quinnipiac and you played a number 21 team in the country, I guess you're you know, you're know kind of happy you only lost by 14. Uh, and congratulations to my friend Anthony Latina, the head coach down at Sacred Heart University. Uh, they pick up a win in their opener last night. They beat LaSalle down in Pennsylvania in overtime. And uh, for Coach Latina, uh, it was his 100th career victory as a head coach at Sacred Heart. He and I worked together uh, at Central Connecticut first and then uh, at Sacred Heart. Matter of fact, the uh, head coach now at Central Connecticut, Pat Sellers, who took on UConn last night, uh, he and Anthony are very close friends. They were on the coaching staff together at Central. Uh, so uh, congratulations to, uh, to Anthony for uh, win number 100 in his career. Uh, Duke last night took on Kentucky. Uh, Duke wins it by a final of 79-71. Mike Shashevsky in his final season as head coach of the, Blue, Duke, uh, the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, 1,098 wins in his career. 42-year career. He, he announced before the season that this was going to be it for him. Uh, so in what is likely his final game at Madison Square Garden, uh coach k comes away with a victory uh msg did a nice job last night uh because it was his final game there uh they had a uh a pregame ceremony for him uh, made a uh a donation to the emily k center uh, gave him a framed picture that had uh, uh over like 300 pictures of all his time at msg and they also gave him six bottles of wine i'd love to have six bottles of wine but uh uh, and and each one had a custom label on it from some of his top moments in the garden. That was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. So uh, Duke gets its season off to a great start. Uh, Duke number nine in the country, Kentucky ranked 10th. Uh, Duke is going to contend for a national championship. Now they're loaded with freshmen, which is uh, you never know what you're going to get with freshmen, but knowing the way that uh, he can coach and the way that his players generally get better as the season goes on, they'll be a top five team this year. they you know, matter of fact, they could be good enough to be a, uh, a contender for a one seed uh, when the NCAA tournament comes along. Uh, Duke's next game, by the way, at – or excuse me, they will be at home and they will host Army on Friday night. Kind of a full-circle moment for Coach K, who began his coaching career at West Point. So he will welcome West Point down to, uh, to Cameron Indoor uh, on Friday night. So uh, – and that will be – Ugly, but uh, kind of a, a good full-circle moment for him. Uh, I also watched the Bruins game last night. I was switching back and forth between that and the UConn game. Actually, I shouldn't say switching back and forth. I had the UConn game uh, on my laptop, and I had the Bruins game on my television. Uh, the Bruins last night beat Ottawa 3-2. to It was a little bit tougher than a lot of people thought it should be. Ottawa has uh, got five players and an assistant coach on the COVID list, and so... Uh, they were a little shorthanded last night, uh, but the Bruins had to work like crazy. Ottawa scored first in this one as a matter of fact. Zach Sanford got the first goal, but Patrice Bergeron scored the tie-breaking goal late in the second period and uh, a great job by the uh, Jeremy Swayman, the young goaltender for the Bruins. He remains perfect, by the way, uh, in Boston at TD Garden. Uh, he has not lost a start there. He had 24 saves last night, and uh, and it was the 200th Victory for uh, Coach Bruce Cassidy uh, on the bench for the Boston Bruins. And the Bruins, by the way, 5-0 and at home this season. Cassidy in his career, by the way, 200 wins, 86 losses, 41 ties. Not, not too shabby. Uh, Bruins are going to have their hands full, though, on Thursday night. They are going to take on the Edmonton Oilers on Thursday. Edmonton is 9-1 this year, and they have a gold differential of plus 17. They are one of the uh, highest scoring teams in the NHL, and uh, red hot, and the Bruins are going to have their hands full, no question about that, come Thursday night, but I'm, I'm looking forward to that, it should be a fun one. Uh, college football news from yesterday, the uh, football playoff rankings came out, the committee released it, and uh, Georgia remains number one, Alabama number two, and then... Uh, Oregon is now the number three team. Ohio State is four, and Cincinnati is number five. Of course, uh, uh, the top four will be in the running for the national championship, but it looks like uh, Georgia and Alabama, unless something really funky happens, will certainly be the top two seeds in that. Um, Cincinnati, at that number five ranking, is the highest ranking ever ever for a team that is outside of the, uh, uh, the Power Five conferences. Uh, you know, look, they were sixth in the first rankings. They're ranked second in the Associated Press poll. Folks, they are not, they are not that good. You know, it's, it's all well and good that they've, you know, that the, that the coaches want to reward them for the season that they're having, but they are not that good if Cincinnati played Georgia or Alabama or Oregon or Ohio State they will get absolutely drilled um, Notre Dame still alive perhaps you know we'll have to see what happens with that Ohio State still got a couple of big games coming up Ohio State uh, you know if they lose to Michigan although that doesn't happen very often but if they lose to Michigan and if Notre Dame can win out, uh, and they've got a chance to win out. I mean, look, they've got to play at Virginia, they've got to play Georgia Tech and they've got to play at Stanford. All three of those games are games that they should win. So if they finish out at eleven and one and if uh you know, if Ohio State happens to lose a game or if Oklahoma loses a game or Michigan or Michigan State lose another game, uh, you know, it could be interesting. To see what happens, it, there is a possibility uh, that Notre Dame could sneak in, despite the fact that uh, right now they are uh, number eleven in the poll. It is forty-one minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break when we come back. Got some baseball stuff to talk about. Going to be a little bit shorter of a show this morning. I got to take off at ten o'clock, but uh, uh, we'll be back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's forty-four minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. Here on a Wednesday morning, the um, Major League Baseball yesterday announced the winners of the Hank Aaron Awards. Uh, The Hank Aaron Awards, uh, that started back in 1999, uh, and it is given out annually to the top offensive performers in each league. Uh, The winner this year in the National League was Bryce Harper uh, of the Philadelphia Phillies, and Vlad Guerrero Jr. from the Toronto Blue Jays was the winner in the American League Uh, this is the second time that Harper has won this award. He won it back in 2015. Uh, But he led the major leagues in OPS this year and in slugging percentage, he tied for first in doubles. I mean, look, he had a great year. Uh, I still think he's probably going to be the MVP in the National League uh, this year because there really isn't, you know, there really wasn't a clear choice of of players like that were in in contention, teams that made the playoffs this year. And, uh, matter of fact, the top people are all – from teams that didn't make the playoffs. Uh, Juan Soto of the uh, Washington Nationals is also one of the players being considered. So I think Harper's going to win, not just a Hank Aaron award, but I think he's going to win MVP uh, in the National League as well. Uh, Vlad Jr. Uh, was great. Uh, you know. And if Shohei Otani didn't have the year that he had this year and did what he did, um, he would be the runaway for MVP as well. He led the American League in OPS, slugging percentage, on-base percentage, uh, tied for the major league lead in home runs with 48, uh, was just amazing. You know, and, and it, but it begs the question, by the way, you know, everybody's talking about what Shohei Otani has done and about how he's going to be the MVP because he pitches and because he plays the, or, you know, the out, well, he doesn't really play the outfield much anymore, but because, he, you know, he's a designated hitter. Um it begs the question, does that mean because he does this, that Shohei Ohtani is automatically going to be the MVP every year? I mean, it's a fair question, right? I mean, I you know, I, I don't – I'm not saying what he does isn't great and isn't rare, but just because he does it, that, that does that automatically make him the MVP every year, even when, though you're on a team that stinks? Just curious. Just curious. Uh, interesting comments yesterday from uh, Andrew Friedman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. I know a lot was made of the fact that the Dodgers did not offer uh, a qualifying offer to Clayton Kershaw at the end of the season, speculating for many, myself included, that the Dodgers were done with Kershaw and he was going to move on and maybe he'd go and play in Texas closer to home uh, since he's from Texas. And But yesterday, Friedman came out and said that That's not the case, that they would, you know, they have said all along to Kershaw and they have told Clayton Kershaw that if he wants to come back to Los Angeles, the door is open. So they will, if he wants to come back to Los Angeles, they will make that happen. He explained that the reason they didn't give him the qualifying offer was because he was hurt at the end of the year, wasn't able to, you know, participate in the playoffs and the end of the regular season, and they wanted to give him an opportunity to get healthy, to, to do what he needed to do to get healthy. And But if they gave him the qualifying offer, what that did is it then put pressure on him when he's not healthy to make a decision what is best for him and for his family without having all the information like, can I still be an effective pitcher, you know, Am I going to be healthy enough to play? You know, what's the right thing to do? So they said that they did it more for Kershaw's comfort than their own. I get it. I mean, that's I, I, kind of cool. But at the same time, if you're the Dodgers, you know, I still think if you're the Dodgers, it's saying to Kershaw, we'd love to have you back. Not at that money. We're not sure you're worth it anymore. Uh, but if you want to come back at a lower salary, we'll be we'll be happy to talk about that. So now Kershaw has the opportunity to get healthy, decide that if he still thinks he can be an elite pitcher, and what athlete, by the way, what professional athlete, even you know in their later years, doesn't think they can still uh, participate or still play at a high level? You know, but if Kershaw thinks he can and and he thinks he has to do it elsewhere, then that's what he'll do. So you know. I'm not sure I'm buying what Friedman's selling, but I get it. But he did come flat out and say, if Clayton Kershaw wants to come back, we would like to have him back. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, on a similar vein, the Red Sox yesterday, they're at the GM meetings out in Carlsbad, California. And Hein Bloom when he met with reporters yesterday, said that they have been in contact with Kyle Schwarber and his people and that they would like to have him back. They you know, Kyle Bloom flat out said that he fits us, you know. Uh you know, we're well staffed at the position that he plays, but you know, we had all three of those guys meaning uh JD Martinez, Kyle Schwarber and uh Bobby Dahlbeck. and he said, "Look, you know, we had them all last year and uh we were playing our best when we had all three of those guys. He said, so I don't know how it's all going to play out, but we would love to have him back. Uh, the question is going to be what the price tag is going to be. A lot of people think that Schwarber is going to be up for somewhere between 15 and $18 million a year, and I just don't know how that fits into the Red Sox plans. But uh, it was interesting uh, to hear Bloom say that uh, they would like to have him back. He also said, by the way, when asked flat out about possibly moving Raffy Devers to first base, he said that they have no plans at all to do that, that as far as they're concerned, uh, he's a third baseman and that's where he's going to stay. You know, that might be a conversation they have with him down the road, but it is not something that they have entertained, uh, at least to this point. Uh, And the last thing, uh, (laughs) Sandy Alderson, uh, who is the uh, president of the New York Mets, they're having a hell of a time hiring a GM. Nobody, Nobody wants the job. They've asked to talk to a lot of people and uh, teams have either refused to let them talk to them or the people that they want to talk to have said no thanks, Uh, including Rachel Ferreira from the uh, Boston Red Sox. They wanted to talk to her, and she said, nah, no thanks. And so yesterday, Alderson came out and trying, I guess, to spin it and basically saying that uh, he thinks the reason they haven't been able to hire a GM yet is because people are afraid of New York City. He said, uh, you know, I think it's uh, mostly about New York. He said... uh, It's a big stage, and some people would just prefer to be elsewhere. So, you know, I think more it's they know, I think a lot of people know that they have an owner in Steve Cohen who is going to be a meddler. Sandy Alderson is going to be a meddler, and Sandy Alderson's son, Bryn, is the assistant general manager. So I think a lot of people look at that that leadership right now and go, you know how much autonomy am I really going to have, and is this something I want to get involved with? Not to mention the PR nightmares they've had. Of course, they fired their acting general manager Zach Scott in no, you know, the first week of November, uh, two months after he was arrested with on a DUI. Uh, Jared Porter, of course, who they hired, was fired uh, f- like a month into the job because of a bunch of. Uh, uh, sexting that he had done with some female reporter back in 2016 when he was with the Cubs. I mean, it's just been one misstep after another. So Sandy Alderson is just trying to uh, play spin doctor and convince the New York fans that it's not us, it's everybody else. They're just scared of you, and they're scared of New York. That's why they're not coming. That's his story, and he's sticking to it. That's going to do it for us here this morning. No show tomorrow. We will be back on Friday. Dan Zampano is going to join us on our Friday show. So uh, we will not be here tomorrow, but we will be here on Friday. And uh, we leave you this morning with some music from Chase Rice. It's a brand-new one called If I Were Rock and Roll. We'll see you on Friday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.